What's up, sports fans? SMQBs, episode eight. This was a fun episode. We have our March Madness preview. We're going to walk through the different regions, hear the guys' predictions for uh, the Sweet 16, and of course, the Final Four and their championship predictions. We have punchable face of the week. Definitely some people who deserve to be punched in the face. Uh, and we're going to let the fans vote on it at Twitter this week and see who should be the punchable face. Also, some really nice Ted Lasso moments just showing how great sports can be. We're talking Patrick Ewing and the Hoyas and Drew Brees. Uh, it's a fun episode. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. And from the people climb up on the booth, hanging from the people on the people, my hands are roof, dancing on the ceiling, on the people, I got people on the dancing on the people, I got people. SMQB's episode eight. The only thing crazier than playing the entire March Madness tournament in Indiana was us trying to figure out who was covering which region last night. So let's jump into it. Rooster, you're going to take us through this. We March Madness, left. baby, is finally back. We've been waiting a long time, and we have a great, exciting tournament coming up. There's no Duke. There's no Kentucky. We got first-time appearances from Grand Canyon and the Hartford Hawks and an awesome play-in game between UCLA and Michigan State. So let's roll right into a review of each region. I'm going to start us out on what I think is the toughest region, the West, which is surprising since the number one team is in the West. You'd think they'd catch a break, but no. Uh, Bison. Um, Gonzaga. The Gonzaga's final four appearances have been mark few and few be far between. Can they get through? Do you think Gonzaga gets through this tough uh, region? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I'll, I'll get to that uh, in a quick minute here. By the um, way, did you guys get that mark few and far? I, got, I love that. Yeah, I got it. It. Come on, you, let's have, you you have a little love. Let's have a you little also love. Do, do you also do oh, weddings and funerals? Yeah, my God. I'm, I'm literally running quick. You I'm literally jealous. started with the West because you've been thinking about that line for 48 years. <laughs> that goes out to our buddy, Tim, o Tim O'Keefe. Go yeah. ahead. So, you know, the, the West is interesting, except for the fact that I think Gonzaga basically steamrolled every team in here that would pose, should pose a threat to them. I mean, I think they, they, they basically hammered Virginia. I think they hammered Iowa. And who else? There's someone else in here that Missouri, they, Oklahoma, Missouri, Oklahoma. I mean, I think they they basically hammered everybody who should stand in their way. Um, you know, the the thing that's interesting about this bracket is you have two teams that had COVID problems: Virginia and Kansas. Okay. <laughs> And this is, you know, I mean, it, it, we don't need our podcast to, to tell everybody that this COVID situation is really just the, the, you know, the thing that nobody, the big unknown in this whole tournament. I mean, assuming you get through it, get through the tournament, but how these teams will come back from not having practiced, from having to deal with the distraction of this. I mean, th those are two schools that What's their practice schedule look like? When do they get to the tournament? I, I, I mean, isn't Virginia getting there like the day of their game or something at this point? They I mean, have to be tested during the tournament. That's how close a call it is. Yeah. I, so so those are big things to watch here. Um, just giving you real quickly sort of the breakdown I see in this region. The best game, the Bobcats did it to my Hoyas the last time they were in the tournament. I'm looking at Ohio. In Virginia, and I think that with the COVID layoff for Virginia, I think Ohio beats Virginia in the first round, which would be a big Boom. upset. Uh, but I think that's going to be a great game, regardless of who comes out of it. So keep an eye on that one. Um, also, a sleeper team to make the Sweet 16. I don't know how much of a sleeper they are because they've been sort of a, a trendy discussion all, all weekend. Um, but I think I've got Oregon. Uh, getting to the Sweet 16 in this Excuse in this region me? here, so yeah, I got Oregon getting there, and uh, and then 
And then the regional final, I have Gonzaga uh, playing uh, USC in the in the regional final there with Gonzaga coming through the West uh, and making it to the final four out of the, out of that region. USC doesn't get out of opening weekend. Well, that's that's very possible. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But this if they my, do, I think it works out for them. So you've got USC beating Kansas, right? I do. Can wow. you explain how Oregon is beating Iowa? Where is that? Um, what does Iowa play any defense? Not much, I don't think. They got the I, Player of the Year though. They do. I happen to agree with them. one of my finals teams. I happen to agree with them. I think Oregon's beating Iowa too. Mm. I, I, I think I think momentum's a big thing coming the NCAA's, and I think Oregon has it, and Iowa doesn't. This is my upset Except special. The fact they lost to Oregon State in the they couldn't even win their conference championship game. This is my upset special region. Mark it down: UCSB and Wichita State both make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Ooh! Oh, wow. Craig Kelly's wow. Creighton. Wow! 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 Yeah, Wichita I, I State hey guys, and guys, UCSB. Speaking of Creighton. How in the world does Creighton get a number five seed in this region after getting smoked by the Hoyas, 73 to 48, a couple of days ago? And the Hoyas were the eighth seed in the East at the time. Well, I might know a little something about it's a body that. of work. It's a body of work. They're not going to penalize them for one game, especially a championship game like that. And, and I think this is an overreaction situation. I mean, I, you've heard a lot of people talking about uh, about. Creighton losing this first round game because of the way the Hoyas handled them. Look, Georgetown was on a roll in that tournament. The defense they played was was just as good as it's been in 40 years of college basketball. And some of the shots that were going in for Georgetown too in the first half, um, you know, <laughs> there was a wing and a prayer on some of those. So I, I don't think you can discount Creighton from really just kind of a perfect storm that happened Saturday night in, in the garden. Well, congratulations, I think, I think my the, friend. Uh, that was a big win for the Hoyas. It sure was. I don't know how you slice it. We'll talk more hey, about you know, that. I, I think the sleeper in the West is OU. They played a really tough Big 12 schedule. They they swept Kansas. They uh, they they have big-time wins under their belt. Uh, they didn't have a very good Big 12 tournament, which is probably why they're an eight seed. I can tell you that Mizzou is not coming in with much momentum, uh, so I would not think that would be a big – big game for uh, OU to get past and OU will give Gonzaga fits. Now I have o Gonzaga going on, but OU Gonzaga will be one of the classic first weekend uh, games to watch. All right. One final question on the West. Who knows anything about Grand Canyon? I'm sure they have a deep bench. <laughs> it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful wow. park. You have All a right. list of All jokes right. for each All region. Right. All right, we're going to move on to you, Mr. Pope, in the East, which I think is the next toughest region. What do you got? So the East, otherwise known as the National Football NCAA Championship bracket, with 36 national championships in football in the first four seeds. <laughs> it's pretty amazing between Alabama, Texas, Michigan, and Florida State, 36 mm. national championships. It does think look like a football pool. Exactly. LSU's trailing there at number eight, and they have four national championships. But the way you have to start at this is obviously at the top. Michigan, uh, their fate is going to entirely rest on whether Isaiah Libers is going to make it back or not by the second round. Uh, if he is out, he's a wing, uh, 13 points a game, um, chemistry important for Michigan. I mean, they're, they're on a serious roll, but once Libers went out, you know, they beat Maryland, but then after that, they couldn't get past Ohio State. So I I don't know. Michigan is a, is a good number one seed. No problem with that. But they have potential problem down the road if Libers isn't back. You think they don't uh, beat LSU without him? Well, that's going to be tough. I mean, LSU took Alabama to the final tip in the SEC championship game, and they are definitely peaking at the right time. I, again, you know, these 8-1 matchups, and we'll talk about it when we get to the next region, but the 8-1 matchups, they could really be interesting. And, yeah, I could see LSU beating Michigan. No way. Uh, no way. And you, you know, I think a really interesting game obviously is going to be the the Buffs and Georgetown. Um, yeah. Colorado, you know, they won five in a row coming into the Pac-12 tournament, lost to Oregon State, the you know Cinderella of the Pac-12 championship, who knocked somebody off the bubble. 
but Georgetown, what a great story with Patrick Ewing, you know, declaring that the garden was his house and just going in and performing and backing him up. Uh, but I, I just think as much as we'd love to see Bison's team move on, I, I think that's going to be a tough one, tough one to pick. Hey, you, know, Pope, you gave you gave a lot of love earlier to OU. What about Texas? Shaka Laka. I love Shaka-laka. Texas here. I love Texas yeah. here. So I got them going to the final. Uh, to the got, final they're my, they're, Me too. Great eight. So look, so look, Texas, uh, also great Big 12 team. Uh, I think they have tough time with Alabama. Um, you know, if LSU, LSU gets past Michigan, I mean, you could have a little uh, uh, redo of the 2019, 2000, uh, whatever, 18 national championship. But I, I actually see uh, Alabama and Texas in the Elite Eight in this, uh, in this region. Um, I do see Texas actually going on to the Final Four. Um, we have a lot of friends, obviously, in Texas will be loved to hear that. But Shaka Smart, this is his year. They've, they've, got, a, they've got a really good team, uh, and I think they can, they can go all the way. Um, so that's uh, kind of a and, – well, and the other interesting thing is, is the – Hang on. The play in between UCLA and Michigan State. We can talk about that. But, you know, the pedigree championship between the two. Uh, Michigan State is on a serious roll. I think 11 seed actually might be a little high for them. I mean, they beat Michigan. They beat Ohio State. They beat Illinois. They can beat Texas. Those are two number one seeds. Right. Right. They easily, easily could advance to the Sweet 16 and possibly the Elite Eight. What about, a, what about an upset state. alert, Pope? You got any upsets? I, I think the uh, mighty Iona Gale may take down your Alabama team. Patino. Patino. So, doubt that's going to happen. But <laughs> here's, here's an interesting analysis for all you bracket heads out there. I did a I did a deep dive into the upsets of the 12, 5, and 11, 6 seeds, because those are typically where you see your big upsets in the early part of the tournament. Did you guys know that 36% of the time a 12 seed beats a 5 seed and 37% of the time a 6, uh, 11 seed beats a 6 seed? So I'm not saying Georgetown over Colorado, but I am saying, and I think I already alluded to this, I do see Michigan State getting past BYU, and I don't Guys, I don't even really think that's a huge upset. But if you look at the seeding, that would be the biggest upset in the bracket going forward. All right. Except you're question. wrong about Georgetown and Colorado. And you totally missed the boat on UConn. But anyway, trivia Not question. Here. <laughs> trivia question, since we were talking upsets. How many times has a number 16 beaten a number one seed? Once. One. Once. Right against your UVA, Retrievers. Yeah, and then next UMBC. year they came, and next year UVA came back and won it all, baby. By the yep. way, it wasn't even wasn't even close. They blew them out. It was a blowout. No, they blew them out. It was a blowout. All right, we're gonna move on to the South and House. This looks to me like the easiest region. What do you think, House? You know, I don't know about easy, but I do think it's gonna hold form really amongst the seeds in the South. Uh, you people don't know a lot about Baylor because it's not the kind of team that gets a lot of airtime and attention in the national media, but this team can flat out play. And if guard play is what wins you a national championship, they have got guard play through and through. But did you know the South has the nation's top ranked three point shooting team in Baylor, the nation's top ranked rebounding team in UNC? The nation's leading scorer in Max Abmus of the Oral Roberts 15 seed. They've got a 2019 finalist the last time uh, really they played with Texas Tech. I understand it's a different team. And they've got one of the best guards in the country in Moses Moody in Arkansas. So the South is stacked with talent. Um, I just It's hard to see anyone in that region getting past the talent of Baylor. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, and Macy Oteague are all 13-point-per-game and higher guards. Uh, Mitchell and Butler are 1-2 in the Big 12 in steals. But uh, interestingly, though I don't think they'll pull off the upset, I think Oral Roberts is going to scare the hell out of Ohio State in that first game. Wow. Oral 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 Roberts Roberts. Roberts is 16-10. 
and have played Missouri, Wichita State, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma and score 82 points per game. Uh, that team can score. And I think they're going to score a lot of points in that game. And I think they're going to scare the hell out of Ohio State. Look, I know it's in vogue for everybody to pick Winthrop. And I know everybody's <laughs> thinking, <laughs> I, listen, I know everyone's thinking that, that Villanova is reeling without Colin Gillespie, without, uh, well, with an injured Justin Moore. But here's the thing. Winthrop hasn't played anyone the entire season in the top 80. Top 80. And in the end of the day, I think coaching, talent, guard play wins out. Would it shock me if Winthrop win, wins? It wouldn't, but I think Nova holds on. But really, I think this is going to be holding serve. I think Baylor and Ohio State get to the Elite Eight, and Baylor makes it out out of this bracket. If there were a sleeper, and I think Pope raised a really good point earlier about these eight, nine teams, you know, UNC is 12 and five in 2021. Since the calendar changed, they've been on a roll. They're first in the nation in rebounds. They clean up the glass offensively. Um, but ultimately, I, I do think the South holds the form and Baylor makes it to the you final see, you, you see UNC taking care of Wisconsin without much trouble? I do. UNC's yeah, pretty well. You know, and if the, our viewers could see, I've got the 2017 National Championship background uh, along with my 2009 championship what i'm saying is what i'm saying is is baylor they're having some issues with covid they haven't been nearly as strong since covid now i mean they could turn it around no problem they have all the talent uh, i've got them going you know all the way to the final four but carolina is on a roll they they don't you know baylor's biggest guy is six eight they're going to wipe the glass with them. And if Carolina can hit some outside shots, it is going to be a big time problem for Baylor and Scott Drew. I think 8-1, like I said, alluding to that earlier, 8-1 is you're going to be your best second round games. And Wisconsin's lost four of six. You know, they could easily beat Carolina because they're so inconsistent. But I do see Carolina getting on past that. And Baylor, big game. We'll see what happens. House, you know, about about your, your Wildcats, Villanova, you know, obviously big injuries, major disappointment to, to have to, you know, kind of go into the tournament with those losses like that. But don't sell that team short. I mean, you know, not to not to continue to be the Georgetown homer because there's going to be plenty of that later in the in the episode. But you know, Georgetown played as, as good as any team in the country for four games and Villanova only lost by one. I mean, they were really the only team that put any sort of a scare in them and, and, but for, you know, a questionable call down the stretch there, they win that game. So yeah, Georgetown was, shot 23 of 23 from the free throw line and got a, a nice call at the end of the game. Otherwise yeah. Villanova wins that game. You're right. You're right. So Nova Nova did okay without, you know, the, without the, the two guys. And so I, I'd, but you know, another team that's going to be fun in that region, keep an eye on Colgate. I think hmm. Colgate's offense is like the most efficient offense in the country or something. I mean, that that game with Arkansas, like first one to 106 wins or something, right? I mean, it, it's it's going to be a shootout, and that could be a fun game to watch. Our, Arkansas attempted 649 three-point shots this season. <laughs> they love throwing it up. <laughs> I mean, wow. They're all beatable, too. Yeah. The entire SEC is beatable. Yeah. I don't we can't get through the bracket, though, that region without talking about Milk's Florida Gators. What's going I, on there? I have uh, tech. Don't, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, me they're done in the first round. <laughs> yeah. well, 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 Milk, it's a perfect time to move on to the Midwest. I've uh, got Illinois winning the whole thing. Am I wrong? No, I have them too. I mean, this is Illinois' bracket to lose. Um, but this. Is it, this is setting up for what I think is going to be one of the most exciting games of the entire um, tournament. Illinois and my favorite. Look, I've been saying all year, the Big Ten or the Big 12 is going to win the national championship this year. And it is collision course between Illinois and Oklahoma State, which yes. is going to set up a matchup with two, two arguably top five players in college basketball right now and Dosanu and Cade Cunningham for yeah. OSU. Um, I, I, I love that game. I've got Illinois winning it. Um, but now I will say this Oregon's <laughs> Oklahoma state's going to be tested by Liberty in that first game of the year. 
What? The first game. They, what? Absolutely. They will be. Just I, I, I'm telling you right now, that will be one of those games where you look at the score in the second half and you're like, wow, is it that close? Liberty's not bad. Just keep an eye on it. But they're going to lose. It's going to go down to Illinois and Ohio State in the Sweet 16, and Illinois is going to win that. But in the bottom half of that bracket, I've got some serious upsets. I know everyone's talking Aztecs, about Aztecs, baby. Aztecs? I, I, uh, upsets. I've got San Diego State making a huge run. Yes. I love yeah. them. Yes. I do too. Yes. They've, they've won 14 in a row. They got a good guard, Matt Mitchell. Uh, I like, I have them uh, actually beating, uh, well, that will get West Virginia. Second. You have them beating West Virginia? I've got them beating Houston. West Virginia. And Houston. No, no. <laughs> I've whoa, got whoa, whoa. Rutgers. Rutgers beating Houston. What? Oh, By the God. way. Wait, Houston, you have Rutgers beating Houston. What conference Clemson do they play in house? Tell us what you drank before you did your bracket. You know, okay. you know, By how the did way. they even get in the tournament? Milk, one of my questions was going to be do you think Houston is a paper tiger? And obviously, Houston has played one top 25 team all year. They've had some horrific losses. I think East Carolina, Tulsa. Uh, I've got, I've got them. They're going to beat Cleveland state. I've got Rutgers who has had a, have you seen their schedule? They played eight 25 top 25 teams this season. Now they only won one of them, but you know who know who that one was against? Illinois. It wasn't Gonzaga. It was, it wasn't Gonzaga. I know that it was Illinois. It was early, but they beat them. I have them beating Houston going and you got a setting up an Aztec Rutgers sweet 16. I've got Illinois, Illinois, San Diego state in the grade eight and Illinois winning that milk. Don't don't sleep on San Diego state upset city. Boy, there's no chalk in that region. Jeez. Well, San Diego state is hot. Every year it happens, though, right? That's what makes this thing so exciting. Well, look Every at that. Bo- first, first of all, if you look at that bottom bracket, West Virginia, do you trust them? No, they're like no. four and seven against top twenty-five teams. Yeah, tennis or uh, uh, yeah, Houston. I mean, I How know can you not I, trust Huggy House. I know you like Houston. What what is what conference is, is that? By the way. It's like they the play, one in the country. They, they, no, they're A-A-C. not at all. They play in the AAC. <laughs> I know. And I'm Wichita State's a real That's team. That's not the I American mean, Airlines Center. It's they good, haven't played anybody this year. You know their coaches? The guy can flat-out coach. Kelvin Sampson can flat-out coach. Or they, 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 they really have good guard play. Their defense is suffocating. They can jack it up beyond three. I mean, do not sleep on that team. They can go far. You know what? No. Izzo can flat out coach, and when he was number two, number fifteen, Middle Tennessee State took him out. Coach K can flat out coach, and when he was number two, number fifteen, Lehigh took him out. Oh, that was yeah. so sweet. That's what's so great about this tournament. A lot of yeah. people, magic of March. A lot of people argue this tournament shouldn't let in these unknown teams that have no chance of winning. That's the beauty of the tournament. They do have a chance of winning. I mean, I, I'll never forget University of Richmond beating Syracuse. As a number right. fifteen. Hey Rooster, that was awesome. Rooster, let me ask you this question: Do you think this tournament gets completed? I mean, do you think they're going to avoid all this mess that's been happening in the conference tournaments? Uh, I think they were stupid to set it up with the so that the conference tournaments were the week before this. They should have given the players the two week off period that they would need to get quarantined. Having said that, I think once the thing gets started, you're not going to see a single star be announced as being COVID positive, just like in the Super Bowl. Will there will there be a conspiracy? Will there be a team that has to withdraw? Uh, Maybe early, yes. Like uh, you, you know, it could be that UVA shows up and and says we just couldn't get all the testing done to prove that we're we're eligible. Well, that means that means Louisville gets slotted at the four seed. Yeah, I, that, I hate that. I mean, you could have you could have you could have a couple of teams that couldn't play their way in as a number sixteen seed. Yeah, that's going to wind be up as a four seed or a two seed or whatever. A replacement team. It's awful. Yeah. 
It's awful. Well, everyone's doing the best they can with it. So let's, let's yeah, I know. I know. All right, Bison, take over. I know. So we got to do our final four picks, right? Everyone's got to give yeah. the final four. And I'll, I started off with the, with the West. So I told you I've got Gonzaga in the final four. I've got Texas in the final four, uh, Ohio state and Illinois. I've got Illinois taking on Gonzaga. And for the first time since 19, what, 76, we have an undefeated national champion, Gonzaga. I'm, I'll pick it up. I've got very similar bison. I got the Zags, the Horns, Baylor Bears, and Illinois. And I got Zags over Baylor, chalk over chalk. And the Zags, Mark Few, cuts the nets down that he couldn't in 2017. Pope, who do you have as the second uh, Elite Eight team coming out of the South? Baylor and who else? Out of the South, Ohio State. Yeah, that's what I have yeah, too. Okay, I like that. I mean, I have, then looks- I've got then I've got Illinois and I've got West. I actually have West Virginia. They are a very tough team if you've watched Big Twelve at all. And then I got you know Texas Alabama, the rematch of the national championship in the Rose Bowl. And I got the Zags. And I actually have KU. I think. I mean, KU was peaking when they got derailed at the tournament because of COVID. And if they can get it all together, that is a dangerous Bill Self team. Patrick, what do you have for Final Four? I've got Iowa coming out of the West. I've got Texas coming out of the East. You'll notice that I'm Big Ten, Big 12 the whole way. Ohio State coming out of the South. And I'm Illinois out of the Midwest. Because I'm too scared to take Ohio or Oklahoma State, <laughs> but I want to. Cade Cunningham is ridiculous. Is, and then what do you got? I think we're all we're we're pretty consistent. I've got Gonzaga. Oh, coming. Hold on, we we need Patrick's winner. Oh, well, Go I took it. I took Illinois. Illinois is winning it all. Yeah, he already said that. Sorry. All right, I've got Gonzaga coming out of the West. I've got Shakalaka Smarts Texas team. Coming out of the east, just barely squeaking by Yukon. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the south, I've got uh, Baylor and OSU. And then in the uh, Midwest, I'm with Patrick. I've got Illinois and San Diego State with Illinois advancing, Baylor advancing, Gonzaga and uh, – oh, I'm sorry. With, um, with Gonzaga playing Illinois in the finals and Illinois winning. So mm-hmm. my top, my final four matches up with Pope and Roosters. I've got Gonzaga in the West, Texas in the East, Baylor in the South, and Illinois in the West. And like Rooster, I've got a Gonzaga-Illinois final. But like Bison, I've got an undefeated champion for the first time in almost 40 years. Gonzaga is going to finally get the monkey off their back, win it all over Illinois. So we, we all have Texas in the final four. Yeah, the guy, the guy can coach, and they've got and a really good team. And by the way, I want to come back at you, Rooster, for a second, and and your UConn Huskies, who shit the bed in the semis and could have set up just a classic Big East final. I wanted the Huskies there. The outcome would have been the same. It would have been just a complete beatdown. Maybe that's why they it didn't. Been worse. They, they they rolled over, let Creighton beat them there because they just didn't want the Hoyas to humiliate them. But, you know, very, very disappointing that they didn't get there. Me too. I agree. But I think they're, I think they're a much better team than they showed that night. And I think they uh, are going to give Texas a run for their money. All right. I think so UConn's going to beat Alabama. By everyone way. can dream. Oh, I've everyone got them going dream. past I've Alabama. I've got UConn beating so, Bama. I actually so have UConn beating Iona. Is this tournament going to be the road to the Hoosier Dome since the road to Indy doesn't make sense since they're all going to Indy anyway? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. All right. Anybody got anything else on the tourney? Let's go. Let's, let's get it fun. going. Let's go. Let's move. Let's get it going. Let's tip, all right. tip it off. Let's do it. Arch Madness. House. Let's punch someone in the face. Come on, man.
Who are we punching this week? I think I think Rooster's got his guns up. I think the theme of the de- of the week, boys and girls, is responsibility. Mm-hmm. Either you take responsibility for your actions, or you exercise responsibility when you're taking actions that could affect thousands of people, and then maybe you can be considered a person of integrity. Uh, there are some examples this week of people who cannot be considered to have that integrity. And as mama says, we need to knock them out. Number one. And at the end, I think we should have the, the listeners vote on, uh, on our text site, um, following, following, uh, this broadcast. Number one, no, no surprise Myers Leonard. I have to say, I have to say how sad I am for Jewish fans of the NBA, particularly the kids who were so fired up to watch the NBA all-star game and uh, three-point competition and skills competition, and God forbid that awful dunk show, only to have two days later to listen to the news that the backup center on the heat is screaming effing k-word at someone on a call of duty game and it goes live so this is a guy who's a media savvy guy myers leonard he's the guy who uh posted a very compelling media explanation as to why he stood while the rest of his team knelt during the anthem and i actually thought that was uh well received it was a good explanation uh i i thought it was well taken he knows how to do that he knows how to stand up and be sincere and say the right thing Instead, what does he do? He he gets his PR people on the job, and they're out there trying to make him look like he's so you know uh, 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 apologetic. He wasn't apologetic. He didn't take ultimate responsibility. He came up with some weak ass excuse trying to say, "I don't know what that word means." It's bullshit. Bullshit. He's a grown man who graduated college, University of Illinois. And you, all you have to do is listen to the anger in his voice on that video. Listen to how he screamed F and K at this guy. He knows it's an anti-Semitic slur, okay? He, no one uses that word and doesn't know that. It's incredible to say, I don't know that that's not a slur. Um, you know, maybe technically he doesn't know the derivation of the word. He knows it's an anti-Semitic slur and it's a bad one. It's, it's a word you just don't use. Uh, and, and he tries to get himself off the hook by pretending he didn't know it was a slur. That's just bullshit. And he's not too smart either, obviously. I mean, the owner of his team, Mickey Arison, is from Israel. He grew up in Tel Aviv. Um, I think the commissioner let him off the hook with a one-week suspension while he's hurt, which just means... He can't hang out at team activities for a week. He wasn't going to play anyway. And they find him 50 grand. Big deal. Um, but Mickey Aronson it has, has suspended him indefinitely. And uh, you know what? When you're, when you're scoring three points a game and you say something like that and your owner's Jewish, you know, bad things are going to happen to you, dumbass. So for using that awful anti-Semitic slur and not taking – real responsibility for it. Mama says, knock you out, bitch. But there's Bam. more. But there's wow. more. And there's more. Hey, kid, here's another example of how not to take responsibility for using a hateful racial or a- ethnic slur. Uh, if your name is Matt Robinson and you're the TV announcer for Oklahoma's girls, girls basketball tournaments. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and you're and you're announcing the Norman High School versus Midwest City tournament game. You might want to know that your mic is hot, you dumb, stupid idiot. So the girls for Norman High School decide they're going to take a knee for the anthem. And this guy starts saying those effing N words. And I hope they get their asses kicked and F them. I hope they lose Ugh. on open mic. So he continues to talk throughout the anthem, which we all know is a long song, and he's quite lucid throughout, knows exactly what he's saying, and seems to be ready to jump right into uh, announcing the game when, you know, they finally cut him off because this is being 
broadcast live. He finds out like a day, a day later, and his excuse isn't, oh, my God, what I said was so horrible. I, 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 there's no words to express how terrible I feel. He says, I was having a blood sugar spike, and it, which made me say those things. I'm really not racist. I would never say something like that. You know, I'm going to give away my age again and get some grief from, from Nace, but I don't know if the listeners remember Flip Wilson. And the Geraldine character, the devil made me do it. This is the devil made me do it excuse. The blood sugar made me do it. I'm I'm not a racist. You know what? I I didn't know that a blood sugar spike could make a non-racist suddenly have all these racist thoughts and blurt them out like that. Again, bullshit on you, Matt Rowan. We don't believe you. Mama says, knock you out. And the final... The final candidate is another one There's for your three. consideration and for wow. our viewers voting is going to is going to surprise Pope. But it's Pope. It's your Texas Rangers president, Neil Liebman. Now, we've recently had the NBA All-Star game affected by COVID-19, where two two great players from the Sixers couldn't play. We've had the ACC basketball tournament decimated by COVID. Um, Duke's out. UVA's out. Yeah, no chance anyway. <laughs> but the good Just news is a reason to say I could have gotten the tournament but for COVID. That's true, but UVA was number was the number one seed. Uh, and they did win the tournament the last time it was played. The good news is the CDC and our administration is saying, you know, any adult who wants it is probably going to get vaccinated by May. So you would think that it would um, make logical sense to just be cautious for another few months, right? And then with a goal towards maybe June, we've got 100% fan participation, particularly at outdoor events. That seems logical, unless you're from Texas, I guess, because Liebman announced that the Rangers on opening day, on April 5th, their their home opener, are going to allow 100% capacity at the stadium. And then he goes on to say, but thereafter, we're going to distance seating and following protocol. So what, so what is he saying? We're going to have just one super spreader event well, and, and April just, 5th? Just one super spreader. And, yeah. and, and they're, they're saying that masks are required. Good luck on enforcing that. You know, somebody in the middle of a row, they're going to have him removed because he doesn't have his mask on. I mean, well, how are you going to drink a beer and eat a hot dog next to the sweat? That's, two people that's next what to you're going to be doing. This one is totally out. confusing for me. What I don't understand the let's go crazy, but then we're going to go back to being safe. Right. Right. How, how about, <laughs> well, how about let's go, let's be safe and then go crazy. And I don't understand. That make more so sense? Weird. I have to what? confess. I'm not sure what a hundred percent would mean for the Texas Rangers. Yeah. That still could be social distancing, right? <laughs> That's still only 3000 people. I'm sorry, but Neil Liebman is a punchable face candidate for that kind of stupidity. Can they get that many fans in the home Depot? I don't know. I submit three, <laughs> I submit three candidates to you. All right. And we're going to put those up on, uh, on Twitter. We'll have a poll on, on the Twitter yep. feed. I'm not going to make fun of your attendance, Pope. Don't worry. <laughs> Got my own. By the way, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the girls' basketball team that was subject of those slurs, I think they ended up winning the state tournament. It, perfect. Right? And and their perfect. opponents all joined them kneeling before yeah. every game thereafter. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. All right. That's your punchable face of the week. So we'll wait to hear what the uh what the vote is on the Twitter. Um all right, so let's let's turn from that ugliness that's sort of tied in with some of it that, that you'll see in a minute, but but we're going to turn to our feel-good stories. These are our Ted Lasso moments of the week. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman, who was painted on the wall there it said be curious not judgmental because if they were curious they would ask questions you know questions like have you played a lot of darts ted (laughs) which i would have answered yes sir 
Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away. I'm going to start off with one, uh, and I have to be very conscious here of getting a little misty-eyed as I do this because the cameras are rolling, and it would be really a shame to to give this away to Toby right now. Our audience needs tears. Our audience needs tears. So this is the story of the legend of Big John Thompson and Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas winning the Big East tournament, and and. You know, 49 years to the day that Georgetown hired Big John, the team completes this really improbable run uh, to go through the Big East tournament as an eight seed. It's the second lowest seed to ever win the tournament. Uh, And they won it um, playing the kind of smothering defense that was a hallmark of John Thompson. Um, And the reason that this is, is sort of a little more than just a, a sports story, I think. And, and I'm always conscious of, of this pod and diving too much into, into race and into politics. It's supposed to be fun, but you know, sports a lot of times does give us uh, a preview of change coming. And it's oftentimes the battle lines of where some of these, these fights are, are most publicly fought. And you know, when, when John Thompson took over coaching at Georgetown, Uh, He went there to build a program and landing Patrick Ewing as a recruit um, really changed the Big East Conference. In fact, it was at that time that Dave Gavitt, who was the commissioner and and one of the founders uh, of the league, decided to put the tournament in Madison Square Garden, where it's been for for 39 years uh, consecutively now. Um, But Patrick Ewing, uh, he he was the subject of some really horrible taunts and slurs himself, as we've been talking about. Um, I was reading some, some old Washington post articles on this kind of stuff. I mean, he had uh, at one game, there was a sign under the basket that said Ewing can't read. Um, He went to another Big East school and someone was reading a shirt that said the same thing. Uh, he also walked out on the court in one game and had people throw bananas at him. Uh, the, the, the abuse that, that Patrick Ewing took was so bad that there were multiple times where John Thompson said, I'm pulling my team off the floor until you get your fans and your students under control here. And there were times where Thompson simply refused. He wasn't going to play. Um, and so, and John Thompson and Patrick Ewing really forged that bond. And, and along the same time while this is happening is really when the Big East is coming into its own. You know, and, and the Big East was built largely on the shoulders of some of these real just amazing character coaches that they had. You know, John Thompson was certainly one of them. He was the outspoken guy, the guy who walked off the court in in uh, protest of Prop 49, something that, that would have really was unfair to African-American athletes and SAT scores. Uh, but the other coaches, uh, Jim Beheim, of course, was was a legend. He was there building the league. I mean, Raleigh Massimino was, was like the anti-John Thompson, of course, and just another huge character. And, of course, Lou Carnesecca, uh, who everybody loved at St. John's. And these guys, you know, they didn't uh, know what they were doing. You're missing, you're missing someone. Who, who am I missing? Jim Calhoun. Jim Calhoun. One B. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> but these guys, you know, they knew what they were doing. They, they knew that they were building an entertaining league and they had some unbelievable players come through there. And Thompson, he, it was just so important in the convergence of John Thompson and Patrick Ewing at the same time made Georgetown basketball what it was and made it really important for the country. Now, fast forward, everybody knows Ewing Ewing's, uh, wins three Big East championships. He wins a national championship. John Thompson's the first black coach to win a national championship. Um, And and Patrick Ewing goes on and has a legendary career in the NBA, uh, all-star games, one of the top 50 players of all time. The only thing that he does miss is he doesn't win that that NBA championship uh, and probably one of the greatest NBA players not to have a ring. 
But when he was done with his career, he didn't just sit back and, and, and finish playing basketball and go and, you know, he didn't need to work, right? He made enough money, but he wanted to coach. And unfortunately, you know, Pat Ewing, I'll say it, and I don't think he would, but, you know, he spent 15 years as an assistant coach in the NBA under some really great head coaches. And he never got that opportunity as a head coach. And, and he'll say, you know, well, the, the people, there was a stigma against big men in the league being coaches. Well, I think we can also say there was a stigma against black guys being coaches in the league too, for a long time of that, not, not the whole time. Certainly the NBA is, has more black head coaches than a lot of sports, but Patrick Ewing never got a chance until, you know, Georgetown had John Thompson was really the, the significant coach there. He left his all longtime assistant, Craig Escherich came in and didn't last very long. Then Thompson's son, JT three comes in as the coach and takes the team to a final four. Of course, largely, you know, on, a, on the, the backs of a lot of the, the recruits that Craig Escherich brought into the program. And when the Thompson, you know, JT three magic ran out, uh, Big John convinced Patrick to take this job. And it was finally Patrick Ewing finally got a chance to be a head coach somewhere. Um, you know, in the D.C. area, Patrick was this guy who, who grew up in front of the fans. He was this just dominant, dominant player. He was so beloved. And to see him then go through a couple of years at Georgetown, I mean, they, the transfers they had last year, it was a program in shambles. Uh, you know, they had guys leaving in the middle of the year. They had guys leaving at the end of the year. Uh, it, total shambles. So for him to go into Madison Square Garden and lead this team that was, you know, picked to finish last. Boy, when you saw the commissioner of the Big East, Val Ackerman, hand him the trophy, she knew, she understood what it meant for Big East basketball. You know, for this guy, three championships as a player, uh, probably, you know, arguably, there's some great players that come through the Big East, but it, it, the timing of when where the league was, probably the most important player to ever come through the league, at least for the success of that league. Put him on the map. What's that? Put him on the map. Yeah, that's right. And and to come back and win it as a coach when he was overlooked for so long and not given a chance and to do it in such a dominant fashion, um, that's just a great story. It's a great sports story and it's to be celebrated. And so that's uh, that's my Ted Lasso moment of the week. It's a yeah. great story. It's a great story, and it's, it's probably with a team. That I, I doubt you're going to see any of those guys playing in the NBA. Um, I mean, that that's when you've got a great coach. When you take a team, and, and, and there will be players on the other teams in the Big East, including from Villanova and other teams that will make the NBA. What Georgetown did was remarkable. It's a good, good story. Definitely cheers for Patrick Ewing on that one. Yeah, when he when Patrick Ewing made that acceptance speech, I have to say I almost had a tear in my eye. I mean, he was he was my favorite NBA player on the uh, you know as a Knicks fan. And if I could ma wave a magic wand and give one guy who never got it a championship ring, it would definitely be Ewing. And I couldn't be happier for him right now. I really couldn't. So Bison, do you think this is a turning point for the program? Do you think this run will result in uh, Good, the better recruiting that you would expect to see? Well, you know, yes. And and to show you how liked Patrick Ewing is wherever he's been, you know, you, you have guys making a point of coming out like uh, like I think Pat Riley was in the media saying, hey, if I'm a high school kid and I watch any of the basketball this weekend, I'd be going to Georgetown to play for Patrick Ewing after that run. You know, like people came out for him. Now he does have. Mutombo's uh, son is already yeah, some, committed. Yeah, there's some kid coming who's like a. Uh, one and done, um, you know, who's on his way in anyway. And so they have a pretty good class coming. But, yeah, I think this this could be a launching pad. There's no reason for it not to be. Brewster, um, why did you not have the security guards who asked Ewing for his credentials in Madison Square Garden as punchable yeah. face of the week? Because, yeah. because I already did Dolan, and he really is the, what's behind that. Yeah. Well, right. we're, we're lucky this week. Though. That's right. We're lucky this week because th that's not the only good story. 
right? We've got another Ted Lasso moment this week too. So about um, three or four years ago, I was down in New Orleans and I was driving in a taxi cab and New Orleans was in the middle of this reckoning that a lot of cities have been going through to take down some some statues from the Jim Crow era. And there's a very famous statue that uh, splits downtown the French Quarter of New Orleans from uptown, right in kind of midtown central business district is a was a was a famous area that all the parades go through uh, that had a Jim Crow statue there and they took it down. And I was driving in a cab and I, I asked the taxi driver, like, what are they going to do now with this huge pedestal that goes way up in the air? What are they going to do with that? What are they thinking to put in there? And he said, you know what the folks really want to put on top of that pedestal? They really want to put a statue of Drew Brees. This guy, Drew Brees, is one of, forget about beloved athletes, what he did for that community. And you talk about this amazing story of the redemption of a great basketball program in Georgetown, the redemption of an entire city in New Orleans that was put on the back of a quarterback, Drew Brees. In August of 2005, one of our nation's greatest cities was decimated by one of the worst um, natural disasters we've ever had in this country. Katrina completely destro- destroyed that city, and a lot of people thought that it was done for good. But they they renewed it and they rebuilt it. And the sports that we talk about, you know, sports are are, are a part of a civic community, and in 2006, the Saints signed a pretty good quarterback who came out of Purdue, played for the Chargers, brought the Chargers to the first time in their playoffs um, in uh, 2004. They hadn't been in the playoffs in 10 years. And the Saints signed him, and there was a little bit of controversy because he had come off a very bad torn labrum injury. And the famous uh, surgeon James Andrews said that it was the most remarkable recovery he's ever seen in an athlete. Drew Brees came to New Orleans and the city uh, got behind him and the Saints all of a sudden had a rebirth that matched the city. Remember 2005, the Superdome was a place that turned into a refuge, that turned into a place where unfortunately there were deaths, there were murders, there were crimes as people were trying to huddle during Katrina. The roof was blown off of what was supposed to be the greatest stadium ever built since the Astrodome. There's a great, great podcast, just a shout out to one of our brethren in the podcast world, ESPN 30 for 30. Their season six, episode four, Cursed and Blessed podcast is a great, great podcast. You should listen to that. It's the story of the Superdome. But Drew Brees came in and he put the team and he put the city on his back. And let me tell you, I don't think Devery Henderson, Marcus Colston, Lance Moore, they're good receivers. I don't think they're going to the Hall of Fame. But they had an incredible, incredible quarterback who put together 15 years with the team, 20 years all together. And it will be broken, of course, by Tom Brady. But right now, he is the leading passer in NFL history. Um, He ended up winning the Saints' first and only Super Bowl in 2009, was the Super Bowl MVP, beating another quarterback we've all heard of named Peyton Manning. He's the only Super Bowl with five multiple 5,000-yard seasons. He holds uh, the record for passing yardage in one season with the just astonishing 5,476 yards. He has the most 300-plus passing yards games in NFL history with 123. Uh, In the highest completion percentage in a single season, he has four out of the top five, including number one, passing 74.4% in 2018. And here's what I thought was a really interesting stat about Drew Brees. So in the same time frame he was in with other Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Big Ben, and Aaron Rodgers, 
Tom Brady, the 2001 to 2019 Patriots had the number one scoring defense. They let up the fewest points. Big Ben had the number two scoring defense from 2004 to 2020. And Aaron Rodgers had the number six scoring defense with the Packers from 2008 to 2020. From 2006 to 2020, Drew Brees and the Saints had the 23rd scoring defense. He won despite a porous defense on that team. He's a fantastic guy with incredible contributions to his community. Um, And I really think that in terms of the good guys and the guys who uh, took, you know, he only got recruited by two schools coming out of high school, Uh, despite, you know, bringing the first ever championship to to his then team in, in Texas first high school championship, he uh, then went to Purdue and brought them to their their first Rose Bowl. His but Longhorns didn't want him. His Longhorns didn't want him. He's, he's a hometown he's a, boy in Austin. A great story, a great career. I'm privileged that all of us as sports fans watched his career. He announced his retirement this weekend, and I just think it, his story and what he did for that city is really uh, a great sports story, a great sports relationship, and my Ted Lasso of the week. Let me let me pile on. Let me pile on because you know New Orleans is my uh, birthplace, so I have a special oh affinity to this city. <laughs> what? So Drew, so Drew, Drew's foundation's given over thirty-five million dollars to the New Orleans and Gulf Coast community. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And the Raging Cajun James Carville has said the following. No one has ever scored higher as far as their combination of athletic achievement involvement in a community. In more ways than one, he's arguably the most significant New Orleans of the 21st century. Pretty strong words and very well-deserved Ted Lasso. To put, you know, to put his passing uh, yards record that you mentioned into perspective, there, there have been 12 times when a quarterback passed for 5,000 yards in a season. And Drew was five of those 12 times. That's amazing. I, I might get this wrong, but my recollection is that when he signed his contract with New Orleans originally, because remember, he had, he had had that injury. Toby, you mentioned it. It was unclear what he was going to be like coming back. New Orleans was coming back from Katrina. And he took out a full page ad right in the paper and, right. and, and said, you know, thanks to the city for giving him a chance and they were going to rebuild together or something along those lines. But uh, there was just a love affair between Drew Brees and, and New Orleans from the minute he got there. Yeah, and those fans were wearing bags over their head not too not long before then. The Aints. Uh, the um, Aints. They were the Aints. Toby, you forgot one important stat. Do you know which team he beat more than anyone? Is it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yes, it is. It is. So as a you must Bucks be fan, glad for his retirement because that yeah. guy absolutely owned us. Like I, I just every week before we played New Orleans. I mean, it was just like, yeah, we're gonna lose. I mean, it was just. I mean, he dominated the Bucks in every way. And you're right. He was done in by. You know, you can sit there and say, well, he only won one Super Bowl. He was done in by poorest bad defense for most of his career until the last couple of years they 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 got a lot better but i mean they were he had some really bad defenses with him which prevented him from getting more world championships well and you hate to i mean look i, I never like to to talk about officiating or or you know referees but really they suffered i think two of the most um egregious calls that kept them from, oh, from at least advancing yeah. in the playoffs. Great point. You know, yeah, the very good teams. I mean, so yeah, he had one It just shows you how hard it is to get to and win a Super Bowl uh, because, you know, but for two calls, he had some great teams that had a chance to advance. Oh, that Vikings game. Ugh. Yeah. Jeez. Led to a rule change. Well, you know, of course, but for Brett Favre's untimely interception in the 09 NFC Championship game, they wouldn't have made the Super Bowl. True. That's true, that's too. Right. That's right. So those are some good ones. So that's. Uh, that's he definitely, they would have totally beat the Eagles that year, too. 
Easy does it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Easy that's does it. Point. Shambles. <laughs> this All right, way. those are our Ted Lasso moments. Guys, speed round. Any last uh, parting thoughts on sports? It was a big week in sports. There's got to be a couple things someone wants to throw well, out. Just, a, just, a, just an FYI for you guys, Man City needs to win four of its next seven games to win the Premier League. Don't uh, choke on it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to salute the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're part of the original six in the NHL in 1917. Uh, Boston, Chicago, Detroit, Montreal, the Rangers, and Toronto. And before the 1939 season, Toronto had won 12 Stanley Cups. They didn't win another one until the uh, 1999-2000 season, and that was it. They've been on a dry spell ever since. Well, right now they're number one in the North with a 28 and 19 record, which is actually number one in the league. Uh, I just, I I think it would be cool to see them finally come back and and win it this year. Uh, I won't be rooting for them against my team, but if they win it all, it'd be nice. And so I salute. It would have been nice. It would have been nice until you just put the jinx on them by, by, you know, so Toronto's done. Right there, Paul Miller. You can blame blame Mike Phelan when it all goes south from this point forward. Paul Miller, just be happy that someone mentioned one of your teams. I'm, <laughs> Listen, I'm moving on to Winnipeg now. <laughs> two 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 quick hitters. Uh, thank God, Joel Embiid only has a bone bruise. That was a scary moment for the NBA. Scary moment for us Sixers fans. Let's hope he's back well. Great story in Indiana. A lot of people an afterthought from the huge Harden trade, very talented player coming out of Brooklyn named Karis Levert, really up and comer, traded a couple times through to Houston, made his way back to Indiana, gets to Indiana, and they find out that he's got cancer of the kidney. And uh, I mean, I think most people said he's certainly done for the season and will he ever have a career again? Uh, They removed the cancer. He was out for several weeks. And the other night, he started a game, scored about you know, 13, 14 points, and looked pretty much himself. It's a remarkable, remarkable story. And again, we don't talk a lot about the Indiana Pacers, but I hope one day later in the season, he has a remarkable game and Karis LeVert can be our Ted Lasso of the week. That's a good story this week. Good story. Good story. Real quick, real quick, and with apologies to the majors, my favorite weekend to watch golf is the Players' Championship with uh, – the, the island hole at 17 and the other two holes are great three finishing holes. Good drama yesterday. Uh, you would think it would be DeChambeau and Westwood back-to-back pairings in the final round. First time that's happened in many, many years. Uh, but on number four, I don't know if anybody of y'all saw this, but Bryson DeChambeau hit a topper drive into the uh, the pond looking probably like the five of us would look if we went out. That was awesome. Definitely looked like Rooster. Balls. Definitely looked like and Rooster, then, yeah. And then Westwood stepped up and hit a ball, a slice way out into the lumber yard. Uh, those guys, neither one of them milk was – shot, yeah. After, into the gorse like milk. No. After that, yeah, after like the milk. fourth <laughs> – No, like house. Neither, <laughs> neither one was able to come back, and JT – uh, came bit came through big, and I think the majors are going to be shaping up as a big shootout. Justin Thomas is looking like he is coming into form. Roll Tide, right? There yeah, you baby. Roll Tide, big day hey, yesterday. By the way, <laughs> Lee, hey, what Westwood so far is the story of the year in golf. Dad Clearly. bod, yeah, yeah, dad bod, dad bod. I mean, he's playing ridiculous golf right now. Hey, Bison, your Bison, your Wizards have the scoring leader and the assist leader in the league right now. Did you know that? Yeah, and they're like nine games under 500, too. It's amazing. They're coming back. They're coming they're back. still make the playoffs. I, you know what? I was happy to see Joel Embiid's injury was not more serious also because we would have been down to four SMQBs on this podcast for like a month. Because, <laughs> House, we know you would, have, you would have gone into a dark, dark place. Send the fruit bouquet. We've seen it before. It's not pretty. Plus, plus, I don't want to hear any excuses when the Knicks knock them out of the playoffs. Oh, no good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so next next weekend, let's let's on our next show. Let's find out how many things we were actually wrong about on this brackets. I can't wait. Probably most of them. <laughs> hey, next week, live from Nantucket, right? Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, live, live show. All right, guys. We're gonna be good together one. for Have a the good first week. time in a long time. It'll be awesome. See you all soon. See you soon. Good show, everyone. See you soon, man. Bye, guys. Good day.